Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Dylan at Thunder Jazz, coming to you with a word from our presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag. It is playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. BetOnline is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, head to BetOnline today to stay updated on all the action. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger, at Thunder Chats. We're part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Now, that's out of the way. Uh, we are in for a very special episode today. This is uh, We're going off of our normal recording days because uh, we have a very special guest on, on this episode. We're going off day, and you know the deadline's a week away, so I wanted to bring in a guest to kind of talk about it. So, without further ado, joining us today is someone who... Once called the Bluegrass State their stomping grounds as well. This man was a team manager for the Louisville Cardinals basketball team before he saw the light and went on to the writing business because who wants to work, you know, who wants to work for the Louisville Cardinals? Anyways, uh, he has worked his way up from fan sided to Sports Illustrated, and he is now an NBA reporter and insider for Clutch Points. He may have had bad information on which Kentucky school to attend, but he's getting good information around the NBA now. I'm a Kentucky fan, man. It, it's it's going to be keep coming around the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Here to get us that much more excited for the trade deadline, perched up on NBA news landscape like a bald eagle, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brett Siegel. Well, that, that's an incredible intro, probably the, the best one that I've received yet on any show. So I do appreciate it. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to d- disagree with you on the blue. It's, it's got to be red <laughs> all day with Louisville. Hey, I respect it, man. I respect it. Hey, I, I'm just, I'm glad that, you know, even after, even after you're stepping away from it, you know, you're, kind of gone big time on us you're in the nba now you're you're still rocking the red so i i will respect the loyalty and i'll, I'll try to keep the uk jabs to a minimum the rest of the pod <laughs> sounds good but hey man very excited to have you on um you know like i said i mean you know kind of getting into the background you know we usually have whenever we have somebody that hasn't been on we like to ask a few questions just so we can kind of get to know the guests a little bit um before we you know we get into like peppering them questions about our team so yeah, I kind of mentioned in the intro, can you explain the trajectory the trajectory for how one goes from being a manager of a college basketball team to an NBA insider? Well, the short answer is the pandemic. <laughs> and I'm sure that that kind of <laughs> involved a lot of people with the way that they changed their professions and kind of got a glimpse of what's next in life. So for me, I graduated from the University of Louisville in 2020, worked there with the basketball team under head coach Chris Mack. And when we were ranked number one in the country, may I say, and Kentucky was not number one that year. And um, anyways, (laughs) anyways, from there, when the pandemic struck, uh, we were preparing for the ACC tournament in Greensboro season ended. And that was that that was senior year and kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do next from there, because the goal was to always go into basketball operations, possibly go into a career in coaching at the college ranks and player development potentially at the NBA level. So 
from there, I decided to get involved with media, had a little bit of a background during my undergrad career in media, working with ESPN Louisville, the radio station there, and also writing on the side, doing some college basketball writing. So I decided to get involved doing it from a Louisville basketball standpoint. From there, it just kind of evolved from doing draft content into the NBA as a whole, and then going over to uh, Sports Illustrated's Fast Break website last year and joining Clutch Points in May. So it, it's been a ride, and I'm coming up on uh, a full year of Clutch Points now and been helping build their brand in, in the NBA landscape of more than just the funny graphics that you may see in the wild yes. stats that you see daily on Clutch Points. So now we got a whole division dedicated to NBA Intel coverage. So it, it's really been a blessing in disguise for, from a pandemic standpoint of where I am now. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, you know, whenever somebody hears clutch points, like, that's the very first thing they think about is, like, the the crazy edits that they do, like, you know, whether it be jersey swaps or, like, you know, the emojis around their faces or whatever, like, right. th that's usually what comes to mind. But, you know, it's really cool, you know, like you said, you changed your trajectory of your career, like, you know, you started a new trajectory and, like, you know, starting a new trajectory with clutch points, too, you know, starting to uh, legitimize it a little bit as well. So, uh, shout out to you, man. That's awesome. Um you know, so kind of getting into like, you know, you change this trajectory, like, you know, whether this is like your final stop or, you know, you want to go into another field. Like, I just want to kind of pick your brain, man. Like, what's your aspirations in the space? Do you want to be like a household name like Woj and Shams in the insider game? Or are you trying to like get your foot in the door in another area of the game? Well, you can never close the doors. And I always kind of approach things with that mindset. You never want to shut the door on anything. If a coaching opportunity came back my way to, to get back involved with college operations, maybe that's a path for me. Maybe there's even something in a front office NBA-wise. And I think that's kind of the journey of where you are now and where I am now in terms of doing the media and insider is that there's so many different avenues that could present itself. And I'm just blessed to be in a situation like that. In terms of being Woj or Shams, I, I don't want to be them. I, I just want to be Brett Siegel. And I want people to know who Brett Siegel is and bring my own take on things as well as delivering the intel. Because I feel like that there's a lot of journalists and news people out there who simply went to school to be a journalist. And I went to school to be a coach. And I was on the court every single day with players. And I know their mindset. I know how they operate. And I feel like that brings a whole new trajectory and avenue to what it means to be a sports writer and especially an insider covering the game of basketball. I like that. I like that answer. So in short, Brett knows ball is, is all I heard there. <laughs> so like, that's awesome, man. Like, uh, you know, like I said, like, you know, you've had a crazy trajectory, so congrats to you, but uh, looking forward to see what you do with that. So um, let's kind of, let's kind of get into the thunder here. So before we get into the deadline talks, I just want to ask, you know, obviously you've been covering the NBA for a while now, um, you know, you, you kind of uh, you've kind of got your ear to the ground on like NBA like teams wise. I just wanted to ask like were teams around the league surprised the Thunder got this good this soon? I think a little bit, but when you look at it and the job that Sam Presti has done through the years, he's built this team up from the draft and in a very similar to what similar way of what we saw with championship teams of the past, like the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors, where they had draft picks. They were not that great of a team. The Thunder went through years of struggle after the, the pandemic season. And then you got rid of Chris Paul. You got rid of Paul George. You brought in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. There was a path to growth there. And they really liked Gilgis-Alexander when they got him in that trade with the Clippers. Now we're seeing what they saw many years ago of him being an MVP caliber candidate. You surround him with young guys that are on first round contracts like Josh Giddy. You still have LeGuen's Dort. You got Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, who, in my opinion, should be in the running for most improved player. And all of a sudden, you have a team that is young, they're hungry, 
and they're going to be around for at least the next decade, assuming that financials don't come into play there. But from a pure talent standpoint with the Thunder, I would say, yes, there are some teams that maybe at the top of the standings that are surprised to see them like this. But when you look at those teams that have always been rebuilding and building through the draft and guys that know Sam Pressy, I don't think anybody was shocked from that standpoint. All right. I like it. Well, <clears throat> kind of talking about how good the team is right now. Like, you know, we got good really soon. And, you know, like even even quicker than like, you know, fans, I guess, would say like I had predicted, you know, like just like pie in the sky prediction, like a three seed in the Western Conference. And like I thought I was being a homer optimistic. And, you know, they were they were the one seed as early as like the beginning of this week. So uh, you get the sense that, you know, with the Thunder's success so far this season, obviously a lot can happen. Do you get the sense that teams view the Thunder as a contender this year? I do think so. I think that the first half of the season proves that. And when you, when you look at the playoffs and when you say contender, I think that that garnishes many different definitions. I think that if you say contender, a lot of people are going to look at, oh, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets, teams that we're accustomed to seeing at the top of the rankings. And then teams like the Thunder, the Timberwolves, it'll just be a notion of, oh, well, well, we'll see how they do. Let's see if they can win a first round series. And then, oh, maybe they can win a semifinal series. And you won't really have hype for many people until they get to the conference finals or to, until they get to the NBA finals. And we saw that even with the Thunder of old, with Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, people weren't really calling them a contender until they really broke through. And it's like, hey, we should probably start watching this team a little bit more. So I, I think that from people that understand the league and understand the balance across all these teams in the Western Conference, I think, yes, that the Thunder are a contender. But when you look at it from just a standpoint of, oh, who are the normal names out there? It, obviously, people are going to look over the Thunder simply because they're young, they're inexperienced. And I guess people are going to say that they're still in this rebuilding phase, but they're really not. I mean, when you look at it, they're a team that can easily buy their way to a championship if they wanted to. They have a, a cornerstone top 10 player, maybe even top five player in the league in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, surrounded by all that depth and young pieces. Maybe they're still one superstar away from being a team that can run the table for many years to come and being a potential dynasty in this league. But yeah, I, I definitely think that the Thunder are, are legit and they're a contender that can make it well past the first round of the playoffs with how they're constructed. All right. I like it. I, I like everything I'm hearing. Uh, something I didn't like that I was hearing that I saw on your on your Twitter earlier. I saw you had uh, Victor Wimanyama as one of your all-star reserve picks before you know the, the, the reserves were announced tonight. So uh, I just got to ask because I assume that means you have Wimanyama ahead of uh, Chet Holmgren in the rookie of the year standings. Like, uh, I just want to ask him to defend your take a little bit. Yeah, so we're going to have actually at Clutch Puts, I'm going to have a new rookie rankings next week talking about it. And a quick preview mm -hmm. of it, Victor Wembanyama is going to be my number one option. I know that's not why the, what Oklahoma City Thunder fans and what you're going to want to hear right now. But when you look at the product that Wembanyama has put out, yes, the San Antonio Spurs are not good. They are rebuilding. They're probably in a phase where we saw the Thunder were two and a half years, three years ago in terms of you got a lot of young pieces. You're just trying to find an identity at this point. Victor Wembanyama and what he's done in such a short amount of time, for me, it's the growth factor where when he came into the league 40 games ago, a few months ago, he was pretty unpolished in terms of understanding the NBA game, understanding the minutes. And, and he just had that mindset of a young player where he's always trying to score and it has to be him. He needs to be the focal point. Now we're starting to see him take on more of a, a total playmaking role, and he's making guys around him better. We've seen Jeremy Sohan benefit from it. We've seen Keldon Johnson really embrace his six-man role. Devin Vassell has had a great year for the Spurs as well, and I think that's all factors in 
to what Victor Wenbenyama brings out of his teammates. And that's aside from the fact that this guy's dropping 20 points, 10 rebounds, and I think it's like seven or eight straight games now. He leads the league in blocks at 3.2 blocks per game. I, I think that Miles Turner or maybe someone else is the only other players to do that in the last decade. So to me, Chet Holmgren, he's been an excellent rookie, definitely deserves rookie of the year attention. I don't want to take anything away from him. Because when you look at where the Thunder are, he's directly impacted their chances of winning a championship, and he's directly impacted the the success that they've had being the two, the three seed in the West right now. So I think that in terms of team success and in terms of the impact he makes as a whole, I do think that Chet Holmgren has had the better season there. But the Rookie of the Year award is always always a statistical award. It always comes down to which player is, is looking better on the court, not just team success. And right now, in the voters' eyes and my eyes, that's got to be Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not mad at that take. I mean, obviously, like I would love for Chet to win that award, and I think that you know the first two months of the season, like the first two and a half months, I think that I, I think that he was the leader. But like this January, mm-hmm. you know, we've played a lot of games and, a lot, and you know, and not as many nights. Like it's been a really rough part of the schedule for the Thunder, and I think that you've seen Chet kind of hit that rookie wall. And it's not to any fault of his own. He's just he's just tired. He's gassed. Um, and with the exception of a, a couple games here and there, uh, the second half against the Spurs when Wimby decided to flex on him, um, you know, you haven't seen him play that same fire he did at the early part of the season. But, you know, ha- had a little bit of a mouse back game last night. So hopefully we can carry that trajectory into February and, you know, maybe maybe swing the pendulum back in, in the favor of Chet. But. I would agree. I and mean, the, the biggest thing with Chet, too, is that he's he's the second best player on that team, maybe the third when you look at Jalen Williams. Mm-hmm. So his opportunities are always going to be limited there. He's not going to be mm-hmm. getting the 20 to 25 shots that we see Victor <laughs> Wembanyama get with the Spurs. He's not going to have the same rebounding opportunities. He's not going to have the same playmaking opportunities because he thrives in that secondary role. So when you look at it from that perspective, Victor Wembanyama automatically has the edge in the rookie of the year race. Yeah, for sure. And and he's got he's got the media engine behind him like full force. So that that definitely helps. But all right, man, let's kind of get into the trade deadline. You mentioned the Thunder have the ability to buy their way into being a contender. So like we've heard everything from that, like the Thunder going all in, making moves on the fringes or doing nothing altogether, which is the most Thunder thing ever. Um, But uh, what is your sense on how the Thunder are going to approach this trade deadline? I think that it's a really interesting position that they're in. And we've seen Sam Pressy kind of hang around in the past and not really make a lot of moves at the trade deadline. Could they potentially do so this year? Absolutely. There's plenty of big names out there that could make an impact for this team. And quite honestly, I think that any of those guys that are rumored out there to be on the trade block and whether or not they need them is a whole separate conversation. But guys like DeJounte Murray, Kyle Kuzma, those are all high impact players that can really help a contending team in any capacity. I mean, you have Shea Gilgis Alexander and you bring in a secondary scorer and a secondary playmaker on the wing or at the second guard position. Yeah, that could obviously help them. Now, to answer that and and kind of rebuttal off of that, do they need a player like DeJounte Murray? Do they need a player like Kyle Kuzma? And the short answer, in my opinion, is no. I don't think that they need to surrender a lot of assets to get one of those guys because, A, they have a lot of young talents on their roster that are not done developing just yet. And B, there's going to be an abundance of options for what this team can do in the offseason. You're still going to have Davis Bertans under contract with that $17, $18 million deal that he has. You'll still have the option of potentially moving Josh Giddy, who will be entering the final year of his contract. Kendrick Williams is on one of those mid-level exception type of deals in terms of the money that's being allocated to him. So there's pieces on this team 
that then allow you to go out and maybe find a second superstar for Shea Gilders-Alexander in the offseason when teams are more willing to make those kind of deals. Because right now at the trade deadline, it's sort of limited in terms of what certain teams can do, especially because you have that second apron tax coming into play with the new CBA uh, arrangement. And you want to see what's going to play out with that. Like how how are teams like the Warriors and Celtics and Bucks, how are they going to manage that? And I think that's going to really tell the tale for a lot of these smaller market teams like the Thunder of what they're going to be capable of doing moving forward. And then obviously the big elephant in the room for the Thunder, you have all these draft picks and I don't even know what the number is now, but I, I, I think like two years ago they had 17 first round picks or something like mm-hmm. that. So maybe it's still that number. Maybe it's even bigger now for Sam like Presley. 13, so, you know, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's still a ridiculous amount of draft assets that they can go out and use at any time. And I fully do expect them at some point over the next two to three years to pull off a big blockbuster trade for another all-star talent to pair with Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think right now, while they are maybe in a contending phase where they can contend at the top of the Western conference, maybe make a run to the semifinals or the Western conference finals. I, I do think that this is a scenario where you're going to see Sam Presti in this front office still take their time and not try to push an agenda because we we've seen what's happened with the Milwaukee bucks. For example, you have a star player with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Granted, they won a championship in 2021, but they have not looked good this year, regardless of what their record says. And maybe that trade for Damian Lillard sunk the chemistry of that team, and and maybe their championship odds are much less than people tend to give them credit for. So I think that's kind of where Sam Presti has separated himself from other GMs in this league, in my mind, of he's patient, he understands what this team needs, and he's willing to take the time to get them back to the NBA Finals. Yeah, no, I... I get all that for sure. Um, you know, so, I mean, it sounds like, you know, big name hunting kind of out of the picture because, you know, those guys you mentioned, like, I, I think Kuz will be fun, like, stylistically, but he he makes a lot of money. I know it's descending, but, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a Thunder player. DeJounte Murray, obviously, like, you know, we don't really want another guard like that. You know, the, the big names that, like, I would like is Mikael Bridges, who has been reported that, you know, they're not trading him even for four first-round picks, which I'd throw five – you know, if they weren't like bad picks or, you know, I'd include Josh Giddy or something like that. Like I love Mikael Bridges. Uh, Larry Markin is another player that I would really like. But, you know, it sounds like this isn't the time to really go big name hunting. So I wanted to ask about like kind of on the fringes. Uh, there was a player that I've seen that might be available and I wanted to kind of get your feel on it. Uh, Herb Jones from the Pelicans. I, you know, there was like a report or a rumor that they wouldn't be able, they didn't want to pay Ingram, Trey Murphy, and him, and he might be available. Do, do you have any sense, uh, kind of feel on that? Yeah. So based on my intel around the league and who I've talked with, the Pelicans are not interested in giving up Herb Jones. And I'm not really sure where that kind of resonated from, but yeah, maybe money will be a, a long-term concern for this team. But in the short term right now, they love Herb Jones. If they mm-hmm. didn't want to keep him, they wouldn't have extended him on that type of contract that they did. They see him as a focal point and their number one defensive option on that team. So if, if they were to give up Herb Jones, it would most likely be in a deal for some kind of big all-star and some kind of big return because they do value him very highly. In terms of what the Pelicans could potentially move, we already saw them make a move in terms of trading Kyra Lewis Jr. to the Toronto Raptors and getting involved in that Siakam trade to get under the tax line. I don't really see them being a team that is going to make a a monumental move at this trade deadline. You Mm -hmm. you still have Valanchunas, who's on an expiring contract, but, I mean, who are you going to really replace him with at this point, especially if Jared Allen 
from the Cleveland Cavaliers is really off the block as well. So in terms of Herb Jones going to the Thunder, that's not something that I would expect to happen over the next week. I, I would really, really put a, put a lot of doubt in the fact that they're going to get rid of him in the offseason either. They, they really do like Herb Jones. They really like Trey Murphy. I think that mm-hmm. the big question mark for the Pelicans is going to be what happens with some of those all-stars? What, what happens with Zion Williamson's future? What happens with Brandon Ingram's future? CJ McCollum is not getting any younger. So I think that in terms of the Pelicans, this year is going to be big for them to not only make the playoffs, but show that they can contend because another short exit or another missed opportunity in the play-in tournament is going to result in some pretty significant changes to that roster in terms of the hierarchy. Yeah, that's all fair. Well, I'm sad now that we can't get Herb. I I wanted to get him just so he didn't have to guard Shea anymore. That would have been very nice, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, Obviously not the only reason I want him, but uh, kind of getting back to players on the fringes, there was actually a player that you linked to the Thunder in your most recent article, and a guy obviously I like because of my college affiliation, uh, PJ Washington out of Charlotte. Um, the, uh, talk talk a little bit about him and kind of like you know where you could see like you know who, who's been like I guess reaching out about him. Right. So PJ Washington and the the Charlotte Hornet, it's an interesting situation because that was one of the free agent contract situations that came down to, I believe it was like August that they finally agreed on a deal. And it's kind of awkward because PJ Washington was one of their better players last season. He stepped up in wake of Miles Bridges not being there and they wound up rewarding him with a contract, but he didn't really seem that interested in going back there. He was willing to hear other offers. He was a restricted free agent. And now the Hornets seem to be very open for business heading into the trade deadline, because this is a team that doesn't have much talent on their roster outside of LaMelo ball and rookie Brandon Miller. They just got rid of uh, Terry Rozier for Kyle Lowry. Not only is Lowry back on the trade block, but also Gordon Hayward, who's in the final year of his contract, is on the trade block. So this is a team that's going to be a seller at the trade deadline, and they're willing to take on some contracts for future assets and draft picks and young talent. So when you look at a guy like P.J. Washington, potentially doesn't even want to be there anymore. He's still playing at a high level. A pretty reasonable contract for P.J. Washington, and it's one that a team like the Thunder could absorb. I, I believe P.J. Washington is making around 15 16 maybe just under $17 mm-hmm. million dollars this season. So in terms of what it would look like realistically, Davis Bertans's contract fits that. You can give up draft assets, which the Charlotte Hornets want. You have some young talents that they could be interested in. So it could be a very interesting fit there. I've been told that the Thunder are one of the teams that has monitored Washington over the course of the last year. And he does have several other suitors out there as well. So in terms of P.J. Washington's market, I wouldn't say that the the Hornets are actively shopping him. They're kind of operating more of they want to get rid of their veteran players in Hayward and Lowry. And then when it comes mm-hmm. to their other guys like Bridges and Washington, it's more like, well, what would you be willing to give up for them and kind of work in the market in that aspect? Yeah, that all makes sense. And I mean, obviously, like I've been an advocate of PJ for a long time. You know, he plays for Kentucky, but that's not the only reason. Like he's a great like his shooting's kind of gone down a little bit of a tick this year. But like he's been a great like volume shooter, a guy that comes in off the bench, can get buckets, kind of does a little bit of everything in terms of like spreading the ball around, rebounding, play a little bit of defense. And uh, also, I mean, hey, he, he played college ball with Shea. You know, I know they're still tight. Um, so, I mean. I, I'm all for like uniting college teammates. Like you know, I was very high on the Knicks just because they brought in DiVincenzo uh, to kind of join Josh Hart and then Jalen Brunson. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, specifically like whenever you play together for a couple of years and I know they only play together for one year, but whenever you, you know, have that like built-in chemistry, like it, it really does help. And, you know, kind of, 
um, eases tides a little bit. So I, I love PJ Washington, obviously. So like whenever I saw that article, I was I was very excited. Um, I kind of wanted to ask because you know I know PJ has kind of been really the only name that's kind of like linked to the Thunder in this trade deadline season. Is there any other names that you've heard uh, the Thunder kind of linked to? Um, you know, as we get into the deadline. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily guys that are linked to them. It's just more of what is out there for the Thunder at this point, and what would it take to to get a player that can help them on their playoff pursuit at this point? Because they don't really want to give up any of their young players. Luguenz Dort's a guy that's popped up in trade rumors here and there of other teams being interested in him because of how good of a defensive player he is. But the Thunder haven't shown any willingness to really discuss him in trade talks. Obviously, they're not going to be getting rid of Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's the cornerstone of this franchise for the next decade. Chet Holmgren's not going anywhere. Really, the, the only players that you could see be moved from this team are Davis Bertans. You got Josh Giddy. Uh, Pakushevsky is in the final year of his contract. He's a guy that has fallen out of rotation, hasn't really worked his way back in after suffering injuries over the last few years. So obviously, he's somebody that would be on the trade block. And to my knowledge, this is a team that would prefer to look more front court than back court at this point, mm-hmm. adding a little bit more depth behind Chet Holmgren, just in case of injury. And obviously when you have these big matchups in the playoffs against a guy like Nikola Jokic against Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony towns, you're going to need some size and you're going to need some guys that can help Holmgren in terms of rebounding. So I do think that that's an area in which they may look to improve ahead of this trade deadline. If they don't make a significant trade, I definitely think that that will be an aspect that they look to bring in a veteran center or even draft or, or add a veteran power forward in the off season, just, just to add a little bit of depth there and, and some ability to alleviate pressure off of Chet Holmgren long-term. Yeah. I know Kelly Olenek is a name that a lot of Thunder fans Mm -hmm. have kind of latched onto is like a backup center as a guy that, you know, you, Early in the year, like it felt like Jazz were going to be sellers because, you know, they were not even going to be in the play-in race, but obviously they've kind of turned their season around. Do you still get the feeling that Kelly Olenek could be had, or do you think like they they want to keep him for this play-in run? Sure. I, I definitely think that Kelly Olenek is a viable trade deadline option, not only for the Thunder, but for any team really looking for a spacing big man at this trade deadline. I, he's definitely available in the final year of his contract. Utah Jazz are willing to talk about him, as well as Jordan Clarkson in trade talks. I've heard that both of them, have been mentioned on the trade block, linked to various different teams. Thunder haven't really been a team that I've heard linked to them. But again, anything can change at the trade deadline. Anything Mm -hmm. can pivot at any moment. So uh, yeah, I think that both players are available. Colin Sexton is another guy that's popped up in trade talks, although he's played really well as of late for the Jazz. Would probably take a lot of value for for them to trade him. Obviously, they have Keontae George, who's a rookie, and they want to get him more minutes, which is why Jordan Clarkson has, has been linked to so many different teams in trade rumors recently. But the, to answer your short-end question, yes, the Utah Jazz are open for business. They're willing to talk about anyone. Lauren Markkinen has popped up, but realistically, I mean, I don't even see a Rudy Gobert-type package being offered to, offered to them and then given up marketing. They, they view him really highly. They want him to be their cornerstone of the franchise for many years to come. And it, it would have to be some monumental trade package if they were to give up marketing at this point. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, before I brought up Kelly Olenek, he was talking about guys that the Thunder might be able to trade. And you brought up Josh Giddy, And I wanted to ask you about him because, you know, that's obviously – you know, the stuff off the court aside, you know, he's kind of struggled this year a little bit, but he is still young. He was, you know, the number six pick in the draft a couple of years ago, and he's he's really popped, like, in his first two years in the NBA seasons, uh, first two years in his NBA career. Uh, so I wanted to ask, like, you know, because this is 
you know, it, you, you get from like his values in the mud. He has no value to, you know, he still has the same value. Now the uh, investigation on the police side is over. Like what, what do you get the sense that Josh Giddy's uh, value is around the league right now? It's one of those things that you haven't heard much about. And I don't think anybody really has because a, the, the thunder aren't dangling him out there. Like, Hey, we're open for business. We're going to trade Josh Giddy. That, that's, that hasn't been the case. And the mm-hmm. second thing is, yes, the off-the-court issues have kind of presented a yellow flag in a way to organizations who view Josh Giddy as a potential asset. And if trade talks were to progress and he was being brought up, that would certainly be a topic of discussion there. So I, I think that in terms of what Josh Giddy's value looks like, I think that his product on the court and what he has shown and proven through his first few years in the league, I think that that speaks for itself. And any team that goes and gets Giddy, if he is even tradable at this point, if the Thunder are willing to give him up at either now or in the offseason, I think mm-hmm. that they know that they're going to be getting a really solid playmaker with a very high basketball IQ. And we've seen what he's been able to do for the Thunder this season. It hasn't just been Shea Gilgis-Alexander on offense. Yes, he's been their main productive scorer. But in terms of facilitating and dishing out assists and getting guys open, Giddy has really opened up the offense for the Thunder, and, we, and we've seen their outside game really expand because of that. And we've also seen their transition game really thrive with Giddy as one of their main ball handlers. So I, I think that when you look at what he brings to the brings to the table on the court, I think that that's ultimately what takes precedent here. The off the court stuff, though, it definitely looms large in, in any conversations that you have with Josh Giddy. Okay, kind of taking your insider hat off here and like getting your basketball coach hat back on. I just wanted to ask you this, like kind of your opinion. Do you think the fit with uh, Giddy on this current Thunder team as constructed, as constructed is clunky or do you think it could work? I think it can work. Um, I think that Mark Dignall has done a fantastic job given mm-hmm. the talent on his roster and developing them into not necessarily the players that they could become, but the players that the Thunder need them to be. And, and that's kind of what you see around the league. Some coaches and some staffs kind of struggle with is they're given a bunch of players, maybe some young players, maybe older players, and they're not willing to adapt from their system of what they know. And, and it's just, this is what we're going to do. You either fit this or you don't. And they may give up a talent to another team in a trade and they wind up thriving somewhere else because that coaching staff does adapt to that player. And I feel like that it's kind of been a, a really good balancing scale for the thunder of we have these skilled players. We know what they're capable of doing. We have our own game plan and we want them to kind of fit in there and you kind of work it out and, and you let them play freely to an extent and you have them fit into your playbook to an extent. And, and I think that Digna and the entire coaching staff has done a really good job at that. So it, um, in, in terms of what the Thunder can do moving forward with that, I think that, that when you look at where this team is and all the young talents that they have, there's really no reason to shake things up right now. You've had success. These guys are young. They're still growing, as I already mentioned. And why mess up what, what what's working? They're only going to get better in time, and you have options moving forward. It's not like they're pressed for time right now to, to hit a deadline and, and win a championship. This is a team that's going to be building for a championship for many years to come, and Sam Presti understands that, which is why he has stockpiled assets th- throughout 2030, 2031, and beyond. Yep. Uh, that all makes sense. It's not, it's not as fun as, you know, what we would want to hear, but, yeah, I mean – I think smart money would be that, you know, Josh Giddy remains on this team, at least through the trade deadline offseason. Who knows what happens, you know, but like I, I think I think that that is uh, that that tracks with kind of what everybody kind of feels. I wanted to ask as we kind of close out here, um, if I was to ask you for your gut feeling on what the Thunder do at the deadline, like if I had to ask you for like a bold prediction, like what would it be for you? 
it, bold prediction would be that you look to package Giddy, Davis Bertans, and, and a first-round pick for some player that's drastically going to improve your roster. The, the main problem there is that, in my personal opinion, based on what I've seen on the market and what player is going to hit the market, I just don't see it. I, I don't see any player mm-hmm. out there that's going to drastically change this Thunder roster for the better. If you do make a trade, I think it could drastically change them for the worse, and they could have a much worse second half of the season than they've had in the first half. So I, I'm just a firm believer of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now, the Thunder, they're not broke. They're thriving. We've seen them compete with some of the best of the best. I mean, we've seen them compete with the Denver Nuggets multiple times this season, and that's the defending champs right there. So if you're going to measure yourself against any team in the league, that's a pretty good measuring stick, and they've held their own against them. I think that would be a very thrilling playoff series if those two met. So I, I'm of the belief of just kind of let this thing ride, see how far they make it in the playoffs, and then make your decisions from there in the offseason. You're going to have a lot of flexibility. Many teams around the league have much more cap flexibility in the offseason than they do in season to make trades. So if you're going to make a drastic change, I would just hold off to the offseason, especially because you're not really losing anything at this point. Everybody's under contract. None of these guys are really in the final year where you're like, oh, we got to move them for value now before we don't have them. You're, all those options are going to present themselves in the offseason for the Thunder. So Sam Pressy knows this. The front office knows this. One of the smartest, most in-house front offices in the league in terms of information getting out there. So I think that the Thunder are just going to stand pat, continue to develop, and then see where they're at in the summer and see which stars become available in the summer. Because we know that there, there's going to be multiple stars that become available. It, it always happens. It happened with Donovan Mitchell a few years ago. Um, we, we've even seen Carl Anthony Towns pop up in trade rumors. It seems like every single off season, Ka- Kawhi Leonard in the past has popped up, even though he's locked up with the Clippers now. So you, you just never know which stars are going to hit the open market in the summer. Anything can happen in this league. If, if David Pingo has anything to say about LeBron might be available, uh, this, <laughs> this weekend. So no, I'm just, I'm just messing with it. Um, I do want to ask one more thing about Giddy. I, I don't know why I didn't think about this a second ago, but he's extension eligible this year. Correct. So, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next year is the last year of his deal. So if he doesn't reach an extension by the offseason, he then becomes a restricted free agent. Do you like what's your feelers on that? Do you think that they reach an extension before the offseason or like, you know, what, what do you think? It's a good question. And I think that the, <laughs> the, the, the key answer to this is going to be answered down the stretch of this season. I think that Giddy has to show something over the second half of the season. I think that he really needs to show that he's not going to be an odd man out for this group, that he fits in perfectly with Jalen Williams and, and Shea Gilders Alexander. And not only does he need the ball in his hands to be a playmaker for this team and make an impact, but maybe he improves his three point percentage over the second half of the season. Maybe he can play more off the ball and be a, a secondary playmaker next to Shea. So I think that all that kind of factors into what kind of extension he's going to get. If he does get an extension with the thunder, I don't think that any of the outside noise really plays a role here. I think that the thunder know who Josh Giddy is and they know his character and they know what he can bring to the table in terms of their playoff and championship aspirations. So to, to answer it the best that I can, I don't know of any extension talks at this point. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's something that they are already discussing in their front office and taking a look at. But from, from Giddy's perspective of staying with this team long term, I do think how the end of the season plays out and what they do in the playoffs is going to play a role in his future year. Okay. All right, man. And then last question as we close this out, uh, league-wide, not just Thunder, like league-wide, like if you was to just like call your shot, like bold prediction, what's a move you think happens? 
Yeah, I think that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be making moves. I, I don't really see Kyle Lowry being traded. I haven't heard of any teams being interested in his $30 million contract simply because they know that he's going to be a bio candidate. And if they want him, they can sign him there. So I, I think that Kyle Lowry will wind up getting bought out. I think that a similar situation could happen with Gordon Hayward. And I also think that they're going to wind up moving Miles Bridges. I've heard that the Phoenix Suns are the team most interested in him. And there's been multiple reports on that. I know uh, Gerald Bourget from PA and PHNX Sports uh, was the first to report that, my guy Gerald there. So I, I do think that Miles Bridges could be a potential candidate for the Suns. Staying in the Eastern Conference, I think that the Brooklyn Nets are also going to pull off a big move. I, I see uh, Dorian Finney-Smith mm -hmm. and Royce O'Neal also being moved at the trade deadline, whether that's to the Lakers, whether that's to individual teams there. I, I don't know at this point, but I do think that both of them, maybe even with Spencer Dinwiddie, will be moved. The Nets are very much open for business outside of Mikhail Bridges. In the Western Conference, maybe not so bold, but everything that I've been hearing from the Golden State Warriors is that they're going to stand pat. And they, they fielded the market when Pascal Siakam was available. They reached out to Masai Ujiri. We're, we're in talks there for a little bit, talking about what it would take to get Pascal Siakam. Ultimately, the assets just didn't line up to make a deal, and the Pacers had a better deal in place to get Siakam. So I think that was really the one player that could have made a difference for the Warriors and what they would be willing to give up in terms of Chris Paul, Andrew Wiggins, some of those young guys. But now Jonathan Kaminga has played better. He's not a guy that they're looking to trade. They would much rather keep Andrew Wiggins than deal him at this point just because of how important he was to their 2022 championship run. And then while there was some talk of Klay Thompson and Draymond Green being on the being on the block, I reported early January that that was not the case. They, they never once have made those guys available in trade talks. And any team that's talked about them, the Warriors have made it clear that they intend on keeping both of them. So unless some major deal or major thing hits the fan and a guy like Lori Markinen or some other perennial all-star becomes available, I, I just do not see any scenario in which they give up Draymond Green or Clay Thompson at this trade deadline. So it, as a whole, I think that the trade deadline is not going to be as active as many people have been speculating it to be. I don't think it's going to be as crazy as we've seen in years past with guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the move. I think mm -hmm. we're going to see a lot of uh, secondary talents and role players on the move and guys that can fill the gaps for some of these playoff teams because there's a lot of contending teams out there that need help on the wing and especially in terms of defense. So a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith could be very valuable to a championship pursuit. A guy like DeAndre Hunter from the Atlanta Hawks could be very valuable to a playoff contending team. So I think that's really the type of players, even Bruce Brown from the Raptors, another glue guy and another guy that mm -hmm. can deliver a championship and help deliver a championship to a team. So I think those are the kind of players that we're going to be talking about at this trade deadline, obviously headlined by the fact that Kyle Kuzma and DeJounte Murray are still on the block. Okay. I like it. Yeah. You mentioned the Nets, uh, DFS, Royce O'Neal, Cam Johnson, all names that the Thunder have uh, not been linked to, but, you know, Thunder fans have, like, you know, speculated and, you know, I guess fantasized about bringing them in. Cam Johnson specifically, uh, I, on our podcast, uh, shout out to Ernie, uh, one of our co-hosts. He's a huge North Carolina fan, so he's he's fiending hard for Cam Johnson to come to the Thunder. So that, that'd be a lot of fun. But, Brett, uh, it was awesome to have you on, man. Awesome to talk shop with you. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, you've done awesome in this business. Like the trajectory, the trajectory that you've had has been amazing. Keep killing it. Keep doing you, man. And I uh, just want to give you a chance to kind of plug anything you're working on where folks can find you, uh, anything you might be working on for yours. Well, what I'm working on is the phones and the text. And right now at the trade deadline <laughs> a week away, it's just about trying to figure out who's going to be on the move, 
when they're going to be on the move and where they're moving to. So you can keep up with all of our content on Clutch Points. You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Siegel NBA. And uh, I'll try to keep you up to date the best I can. I'm, I'm no Woj or Shams, but I mean, you got to work with what you got. And I'm blessed to be able to have this opportunity and no agents and league personnel like I do. So hopefully we can continue to build this momentum and we'll have plenty of chatter going on over the next week heading towards the trade deadline. There we go, man. I love it. Um, when uh, do you have like a set number of articles you're going to drop before the trade deadline or is it just kind of like as it comes? Depends on what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we had that trade tonight uh, with Steven Adams being on the move to the Houston mm-hmm. Rockets. Oh, that broke um, and Yeah, so the Houston Rockets were a team that was rumored to want front court help. Steven Adams, there you go. Front court won't play this season, but definitely a, a big veteran voice there, a guy that can play behind Alperin Sangoon moving forward. So that's one kind of domino that's fallen of a team that was looking to get something, and they filled that role. So what will some of these other teams do? And that kind of dictates what kind of content's going to be coming out. And there's always talk going on and especially over the weekends and the weekends right around the corner. So we'll see where things are at with about five to four days from the trade deadline this weekend. Let's go. I love it, man. I love it. It's going to be an exciting time. So uh, guys, be sure to follow Brett at Brett Siegel NBA on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, and turn his notifications on. So you don't miss out on any of his, uh, any of his Intel drops. So, uh yeah twitter absolutely uh brett we appreciate you coming on man it was awesome uh look forward to talking to you in the future hopefully having you on the podcast again absolutely you take care thanks for having me stay easy man have a good all right guys that was brett and yeah that is uh, that's all we got today tomorrow we will be talking about the hornets game i believe i won't be on the pod but uh, a couple of the other guys will be on um once we so I think like right after the Hornets game, we're going to have a YouTube live. Uh, I think Dolan's going to be on. It's going to be a late night pod. I might jump on. Who knows? We'll see. But we will be potting tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back at it on Tuesday, working on a guest for Tuesday. And then we'll be back at it again Friday, talking about all the trade deadline stuff. But yeah, until then, hope everybody has a great night. God bless you when you can. And as always, under up. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.